I wanted to open us up with a scripture here um, in Matthew 3, 8. You don't have to turn there. This one will not be on the screen. It was uh, something that had, had come to my mind um, earlier today. And just as we begin talking about this theme that we're really going to hit on throughout this book, and it's this idea of the Lord remembers and the Lord restores, right? Uh, this, is, this is crucial. Like literally, Zachariah's name is the Lord remembers, right? Uh, he's, the Lord remembers these things. He remembers, right? God does not forget Right. And, and, and even with our transgressions, they've not been forgotten. They've been imputed to Christ when we believe. Right. That that Jesus took the penalty. It didn't just like, I don't know where it went. No, when I look to the cross, I say, that's my punishment. That Jesus Christ in that moment took not just a beating, but an eternal punishment, the eternal wrath of the father. Jesus took on the cross for his people. Like, how good of news is that for us? That we know that Jesus paid the price. And we go to Matthew here, and Matthew 3, verse 8, says this. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, that statement may seem so simple, right? Like, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. But it's that our repentance is going to continue bearing fruit. And we talk about this a lot, and guess what? There's a reason, because the Bible talks about it a lot. The more I read the Old Testament scriptures, the more I realize that we're in this cycle that the Israelites were in. When you look at Nehemiah, and it's about building up these walls, and Haggai is about trying to get them to restore the temple after the exile from uh, the, the Babylonian exile, right? We see this happening, and we see that they're turning to the temple, but the whole point of building the temple wasn't so that they would have a building. And we see here in Zechariah that it's not just about doing outwardly the right thing, but that we have to have true heart repentance. And what Matthew pins down here is that it says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, that we can repent and not bear any fruit, and then therefore our repentance is in vain. So we must do both. We must repent with an understanding that the Lord remembers, that our sins will not just be forgotten, that by faith in Jesus, they've been paid for, paid in full. So as we begin this series, I want us to have this heart check of, of where are we in our relationship with Christ, right? Where, what are we doing? Are we just simply repenting? Do we believe that our, our sins have been paid in full? Are we truly changed in our repentance? Are we truly changed in our conforming into the likeness of Christ? So before we go any further, let's just be in an attitude of prayer, praying that God would just move amongst us in this, during the series as we read through Zechariah, seeing the importance of it today, though there's prophecy that's been uh, fulfilled, that there's this calling to God's people to repent and be restored. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning praying that, that you would just move amongst us, God, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our heart, God, to see the truth of this text, to um, just, just draw near to you. Too often we, we bank all of our hope on a Sunday morning gathering and we lose focus of our relationship with you. We get hyped up for a moment and lost for a decade. God, I pray that our zeal for you and for your word would be forever. 
God, that this would not become dull to us. Lord, I pray that you would just show us this truth, and this morning specifically, God, that we would, we would remember our transgressions. God, that we would, we would long for you. We would praise you because you are the God who restores. And I pray that this would become engraved in our mind as we continue diving into your word together to glorify you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the main idea through this book that you're going to see and hear all of us, every pastor who's preaching, is, is that the Lord remembers and the Lord restores. We're here in Zechariah. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the context. We're only going through the first six verses. Uh, we're intentionally trying to just focus in on, on uh, the, the background and the history for just a little bit. And exactly in these first six verses, what Zechariah is, is coming to do. What is God using him to tell his People, right? That's what prophets were used for. They, they were declaring God's word, right? They were, they were telling the people what the Lord had for them and what they ought to be doing. So Zechariah is one of the minor prophets, okay? And Zechariah is the longest of the minor prophets, which is why when you read or you study, you'll see that um, this specific book is quoted um, more than any others in the New Testament, but also um, by a lot of pastors, right? There's a lot of prophecy about Jesus Christ that is super clear. There's a lot of prophecy and, and um, visions, right, that, that we see Zechariah get that are very confusing, right? How many of you all have, like, studied Zechariah? It's okay if you have it, right? Like, how many of you all have done an in-depth study? You can raise your hand. Everybody knows, no, like this. We, we, we said we were going through Zechariah, and Mark, like, gives me, like, a library of books. Um, by the way, the software we have has three out of the four books and then, like, other things that you're going to give me. So uh, I've got those books back for you, right, that I can give you because we got them digital now, brother. It's the digital age. Um, so anyways, you say Boo. Oh, wimp, wimpy, yeah. I like a, I like a book, but uh, my backpack can't carry all those books. I feel like I'm in high school again carrying uh, Pastor Mark's books around. Um, it's, it's, it's a very confusing book when you look at these images, but you also have to remember when you're looking at these visions, you have to look at them in snapshots, right? Um, you can't just keep building on one another. There's these prophecies and there's these snapshots. That's why it's really tough to preach one vision and another vision in one particular Sunday. So we're trying to break down each vision and each week talk about what exactly the prophet Zechariah is trying to get through to us. This is a post-exile book from the Babylonian exile when the Israelites were held captive by those in Babylon, right? We, we read about that history. We read about their, um, their turning away from God, and then they were taken into captivity, and it was a sign of judgment, right? And then we see that God uses Esther to get them out of that. All these books, they connect. It's beautiful when you read them and you have the understanding that Esther's connected here even to Zechariah because what Zechariah is teaching them about happened because the Lord used Esther to get everybody back. It was amazing. You read that. Haggai um, is a prophet. Haggai uh, speaks to rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah speaks to rebuilding the walls. Um, Malachi speaks to rebuilding our heart and our, our zeal for God. And you see all these prophets intermingling around the same time. So Haggai was written just before this, like 20, 30 years roughly, um, where Haggai prophesied to God's people. But again, Haggai focuses on rebuilding the temple. 
But what Zechariah is going to focus on is this futuristic prophecy that this kingdom would be restored, but today they must repent. So when you live in, in destruction, right, you're always looking for some kind of hope, right? Like, give me a sign of hope. And this is why the Jews, shortly after this, and then Malachi, you have 400 years of silence, and then Jesus arrives on the scene. And that's where we get the Apocrypha, a lot of it, where it's like you, you read in the history of they started to do their own thing and follow uh, not the true word of God, but started to turn, hey, we don't hear him moving anymore, so we've got to do something. And you look to our day and age, and what are we doing? We're turning every which way because it's like, God, would you just, would you give me a sign? Oh, God, I, I just, I can't seem to hear you or see you anymore. Where are you? And we've ignored and forsaken the word that has been given to us and revealed to us to teach us about God because he's already spoken. Like, I, I've been in, in arguments with my wife. Imagine that, right? Like, yes, your pastor has been in arguments and I've been right most of the time and wrong partially, uh, part, part of the time, right? And, and that's a joke. I, f I find that I'm wrong a lot of the times in the arguments I find myself in. Anyway, uh, that's another uh, story. But there's been times where we're having um, a little bit of a dispute, and she's like, do you have nothing to say? And I said, I don't know what else I could say, right? Like, what else am I going to add to this situation that's going to help you to understand? Like, I feel like I've exhausted uh, what I'm, I'm trying to tell you in this moment, honey. And she's like, I just, I need more. And I'm like, I've got no more, right? God doesn't need to tell us anymore. Guess what? He's told us and commanded us and given us a job until the day that we die that will take up all of our time, right? We don't have to demand all these signs. And we see after being in captivity, literally bound, not able to go back to what was once seen as the promised land, they're not able to go back, and God frees them and tells them, rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls, rebuild uh, everything, your heart. Worship me, for I am the Lord your God. After all that captivity. And they become frozen, comfortable, and stagnant. When you read these, these prophets, that's why I, I love reading it, because it's, it's my own little mini-revival that I can look and say, man, I'm just like this group of people. We've gotten a building, church, and we've been here for, wow, what is it? We're in 2022. We've had the building uh, after our merge uh, with the beautiful saints of new life. We've, had, we've been given the keys for two years. We've been worshiping here for almost two years. And it's like, it, it, I see how comfortable we can become, myself included. And then I read this, I'm like, we have got work to do. So let this, this word from Zechariah speak to us today in 2022 that the Lord remembers our sins, our transgressions, but surely, church, be assured that the Lord restores to those who would repent and return to him. Our main points return to the Lord. Our main theme for this entire series is the Lord remembers and the Lord restores, but our main point is return to the Lord. This idea that, that we have gone astray. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, you need to return to him in a spiritual sense of you're separated from him for all of eternity until you repent and believe, confess your sins, and believe on Christ as your Lord. 
then you are eternally saved and redeemed by the Lord Jesus. But to those of you who have been walking with Christ, but have seemed to like, ah, I don't really need Jesus today, you're not leaving him as your salvation, but you're leaving him in your momentary uh, experience of life that, that you all know those backslidden moments. And this is what we need to do as believers is to return to him, and he will return to us. We'll get there in a minute. But this is a theme here for the book. He's laying the foundation that, that the reason he's talking about the Lord remembering and restoring is because we need to return to the Lord. The Lord will not forget these moments. The Lord will not forget what we did in 2022 this past week. The Lord will forgive if we ask for it, but he will not forget Return to the Lord. Our points this morning as we think about our returning to the Lord is to remember our sins and repent. So the Lord remembers. Church, we also must remember. A lot of us, we, we would love to forget our past, right? It'd be so easy if we could just be like, I, I don't need to remember that. It was a terrible part of my life. And No, we, we need to remember that. I mean, that, that, that's what we're saying even with, with history, with, with America, right? That we would say, don't get rid of it. Because we can learn from it. You may not have to celebrate evil. What are we going to take the bad parts out of the Bible? Church, there's been parts of the Bible that I wanted to fall on my knees and cry because of what it, 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 it recorded. And it had nothing to do with God like beating anybody. It was just the violence. And I'm like, man, that's terrible. And it reminded me, and the part that I'm talking about, why we need law and order. Because at that time, there were no judges, there was no kings, there was no rulers, and everybody did what they wanted to. So it taught me something by seeing that and remembering what had happened. When we look at our sin, it ought to teach us something. It ought to teach us something. So let's look at this. Let's remember our sins. See, church, remembrance is a huge part of our redemption. See, without redemption or without remembrance of our sins, redemption loses its taste. What is grace without wrath? Like literally, what would mercy and grace mean if there was not a wrath to be dealt that's the beauty of it. You know a good steak because you've had a bad steak, right? You all, some of you all are like looking at me. I haven't cooked you all steak, so don't look at me like that, right? Like I'm learning. I'm, I'm still young. But you all know that. You know that experience in life. Why do we try and take wrath out of the picture? Grace is no longer grace, but simply kindness if there is no wrath. See, I can do something nice for you, but it was because I was never going to do anything mean to you, right? Like it just it seems like a kind thing to do. There's wrath. First one, Zechariah. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, saying, the Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. See, the, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah to deliver this message of remembrance and restoration. That in verse 2, you look at this. It says the Lord was very what, church? Angry, right? But God's all loving, right? No, like there's a time to be angry. Christians, we are called to righteous anger. When people sin and despise God or sin against you and treat you poorly, you can be angry. It's what you do with that anger that makes all the difference as a Christian, right? Be angry, but do not sin. 
But it says here, it says that the Lord was not only angry, but the word is very angry, right? Like, there's, there's a seriousness to this anger. As if anger isn't serious enough, right? Like, I see it in my, my five-year-old, like, when she gets angry. And I'm like, a five-year-old's anger, it's like, I'm not, like, worried for my life, right? Like, I'm like, she's so angry, something bad's going to happen to me. But, like, I can see on her face, like, there's some anger there. And, like, you, you see the, the, the despair, right? Something has, has frustrated her. But it says the Lord is very angry with their fathers. See, church, the, the Hebrew word, I don't always get into these words, but I love the way it sounds. The Hebrew word for very angry sounds like cuts off, cuts off. Like you would cut somebody off because they made you mad, right? And it has the sense to be wrath, not to, to have wrath, to be wrath. That there's a sense that God was, was wrath. And church, he is wrath. He also is love. But we cannot separate the fact that there's wrath there. And it says that he's provoked. It's got this sense. That word has a sense of being provoked. God wasn't just sitting there and like, don't like how this turned out. I'm mad, right? Like, I'm just mad. No, he's continued to, uh, prophet after prophet, call his people back to himself, saying, return to me, return to me, restore the temple and worship me, build these walls to protect my people and have a place to worship me, return to the land so that you can worship me, right? Time and time and time again, God has given them all the chances. And they've provoked him. He was provoked by the disobedient ways of his people. He was provoked. Time and time again, shows mercy. But he had become very angry, cuts off. God had disciplined them because of it. Even before the exile, was, listen, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. And they get cut off from what was once theirs. It's taken from them. Their freedom is taken. They were disobedient in their ways. But what does Zachariah say to this? The message he's given. Because the Lord was very angry with your fathers... Therefore, say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. This is the message that Zechariah is to deliver in this entire book with all of these visions, teaching the people to return to the Lord, and he will then return to them. Hosea 14 uh, we're going to have verses uh, 4 through 7 on there, but I want to just step back for a little bit of context. So I'm going to pick up in verse 1 of Hosea 14. It says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, Take away all iniquity, except what is good, and we will pay with bulls and the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses and we will say no more our God to the work of our hands and you, the orphan, finds mercy. Verse 4. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. 
His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. You see, even in Hosea, this this prophecy of return to me, return to me, return to God, O Israel. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. He's asking here, Zechariah, the message that he's going to deliver is to consider your past. Not only us, but also our fathers. Church, there's, there's practicality in that. That we look to generational sin so that we don't make the same mistakes. I'm able to look at my parents and say there are certain things that I love and I value and I should try to reciprocate or, or replicate in my life as a father and as a man But there are other things that I should look at and not bury, but remember so that I don't follow that same path. And for them, they can look at captivity and how they were led in it and how the Lord ordained it to happen. And in their freeing, they found themselves more bound, not to to Babylon, but to their own transgressions, to the comfort of their, their own sinful flesh. There are things that we can look at in our life and say, we should not do that again. But the only way we'll do that is if we remember what we have done wrong and look to the goodness of God. Do not go down the same path. See, it's like it's why it's so important for us to share our testimony. For us to follow God and tell people about following God. God. This book isn't like that of King David, right, where you have a a mighty hero, right? A a lot of commentaries, you'll read them, and they talk about how this book is not going to deal with a mighty hero. You're going to look at a bunch of broken, wretched people who've been saved by God, right? They're longing for the coming of Christ, but they're a broken people. They're no mighty king, and we relate to that. See, the majority of us, we're not going to have and be given any power like that to become a king and and do things that King David did. But this is a people who had lost their taste for the zeal and passion of God, and we're not following him. Our testimony ought to light up one another's. It ought to illuminate the severity of our sin and the faithfulness of God to save sinners who repent to him. But we cannot repent if we do not remember our sins. Church, God is faithful to restore. Remember your sin and repent of it. Verse 4. Do not, do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Continuing to remember the past so that they can progress to the, uh, the future. This is the hope that Zechariah is going to be giving them. 2 Kings 17 verses 13 through 15 says this. Yet to the Lord, or yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and statutes in accordance with 
with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by the servants, my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. And they followed the nations that were around them concerning the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. This is the message. Remember. Remember what happened and don't do that, right? What's that old saying? You can learn a lot from your mistakes, but you can learn a lot more from another person's mistakes. There's something, a very good saying from back home where I'm from that they say that, right? Like you... Good wisdoms like learning from your mistakes. Great wisdoms learning from another man's mistakes. So that you don't do that. That's why our testimony is important. It doesn't matter how little or inferior you feel like your testimony is. It is the truth of God working to save sinners like you and me alike. And that testimony ought to teach us the severity of sin and the holiness of God. For them here... It was the unfaithfulness after the exile from Egypt. That they're looking back on those fathers and the prophets that had spoke to them and continued to speak to them. And God's relentless care and overflowing stream of grace and mercy for His people. This is what they heard when Zechariah began to speak from these visions. This is what would have come to mind. Today, what should we be remembering, church? What are some things in our life and in our generation that we're looking at with the church? How we ought to be. See, we can look back at the the Reformation. Got everybody all hyped up. Now some of us don't even know what the Reformation was. And that's no fault, right? I'm not saying everybody should just know immediately who Martin Luther and John Calvin and Wesley, all these people are who went before us, right? I'm not saying we must know all of them. But in that time and in that moment, it was exciting. It was like Billy Graham. You all, a lot of you all were here and around during that time, and Billy Graham's going out, and there's all these crusades, and everybody seems to get hyped up despite any differences you might have with Billy Graham, And now he's becoming a distant name in the past. Believe it or not, it's wild, isn't it? Some of you are like, no way. Yes way. And that's my point. The problem here, church, is the hot and cold effect. Think about your salvation. Right after you were saved, you were on fire, right? Oh, man, the Lord saved me. He's so good. He's gracious. I've been saved. You're using words that you didn't know a day ago. Like you knew about saved, but like salvation, that you are now saved by grace through faith. Time passes. Cool off. Well, then baptism comes up. Maybe those two were really close for you, and and that on-fire moment lasted a little bit longer because two big significant things happened. Baptism, on fire, so excited. You invite your family. They come watch you get dunked in the water, and it's beautiful. And time passes, and we cool off. Some of your kids just went to camp this past week. Maybe some of you all remember that camp experience, but kids just went to camp. They're hyped, and they're excited. Jude just raised his hand. He's like, yep, I was there, right? And, and Jude, maybe, maybe right now you're excited, and you're like, man, that was good. I got to spend time with a lot of other Christian kids and some kids that need to know the Lord. And, oh, man, it was such a good time. And time passes. You go back to school. Things, life just happens, and you cool off. Secular things, we do the same thing. It's football season. You get hyped, Browns, right? 
Let's go Browns. You get halfway through the season, you cool off. Just like, on to better things. And the next season, we hit that cycle, back hype again. Summer hits, I tell Aubrey, I want a scooter to ride around town. She's like, Michael, it's just the beginning of summer. You're going to be over it by July 1st. And I'm like, no, I won't. July 1st hits, probably even before then. I lose my hype for it. See, our acknowledgement of the past, we will be led by faith in Christ to repentance. We should not cool off, church. So point number two, repent. We don't just remember, we must repent. We must long for bettering ourselves for the glory of God, not for the, the, the better version of you, right? Like, we, we hear that all the time. It's like one of the funniest things every time uh, Pastor Gary would get a mic, just, and he'd do that voice, he's like, it's not for self-improvement. And I'm like, I, I, <laughs> I would like always love that. Every time we'd talk, he'd be like, I love those books on self-improvement. And I'm like, but, but it's true as Christians, you can read those books and sure there's like some good things to get out of there but our betterment of ourselves the it's it's by the power of God and it's to the glory of God do you hear what I'm saying there it's the power of God that you're even like able to do something good and become better sanctified and it's to the glory of God it's like this thing is happening in us and through us and we can't take credit for it and we can't get glory for it. It's God's power and it's God's glory. So we remember our sins and thus repent, right? We don't just remember, right? Like it would be terrible to sit around remembering our bad like behavior all the time, right? But remember, the main idea of this entire book is that the Lord remembers and the Lord restores to those who repent. Return to the Lord. This is, so this is the question now, right? Now we're talking about repentance and returning to the Lord. What does it mean to return to the Lord, to repent? It is to turn away from our sin or from something and go back to another, right? As Christians, we are forsaking our sin and committing to Christ. Repentance follows remembrance. You can't repent if you don't remember what you did wrong, right? Like literally, like another thing, like when you, when, Husbands, wives, you all get in fights, and especially us men, we don't know when we do things wrong. Like, there's just something, I don't remember that. Like, I think, like, you might have viewed that different. No, we've got to remember what we've done so that we can repent, turn away from it. We are forsaking our sin and committing to Christ. Repentance follows remembrance. For we remember our wrongdoing, then we are led to repent with assurance, church, of the faithfulness of God to forgive. Because the Lord remembers and the Lord restores. Look at verse 4 again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Verse 5. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded, my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. Look at verses 5 and 6, and I'm reminded, church, that people come and people go, but the Lord and his word will stand forever. See, these prophets, they've perished, either into eternal life or eternal damnation. 
They've gone about their way. They spoke. They came and they went. Any idol that we have, church, will come and will go. Don't let that become an idol. Don't let anything get in the way. Remember our transgressions and repent. Return to the Lord. Isaiah 40, verses 6-8, through 8, A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord our God will stand forever. I mean, what are we, what are we looking to, right? At salvation, we were pumped up and we excited and we got cold. At baptism, we were pumped up, excited, and we got cold. At someone else's pro- proclaiming Christ as Lord over their life, their salvation, we got pumped up, a week went by, we got cold again. Read a good devotion, got pumped up, got cold again. What are we looking to? The author of those books or the God who created those authors and allowed them to pin down what they pinned down? The God of creation or that which is created? Because this prophecy from Isaiah makes it very clear, as does the rest of Scripture. We come and we go. I can't guarantee you that if, the, if it's the Lord's will, that I, I don't know if I'll be pastor here next year. Don't worry. All I'm saying is I don't know what God's plan is. But someone else will surely fill this pulpit on that day. I may come and go, and one day I may die here in this pulpit. The Lord may let me live to be old, or maybe I'm young, and the Lord takes me to go be with Him. Men and women come and go. Those self-help books, the ones that make you a better person, they also come and they go, but the Word of the Lord stands forever. You see, that's what I, I, my mom, and, and my mom particularly, and some other family, they, they tell me what grandma and grandpa used to do, right? And it's like, I don't, I really don't like, there's a sense where I like, I want to remember what they did. And the, the good things that they did, I want to remember that so I can do it. That even though they're not saying it, I can look at their life and they're saying by their actions, follow me as I follow Christ. Yes, that I want to do. But there's some things that I know that grandma and grandpa did that weren't good. Like one of the things that's still in our family is like, I don't have to go to church. And like some of you all are like, yeah, I've got that in my family too. But here's the reason. My grandpa was faithful to his church. Went like every week, right? He was a Methodist, right? Just you go to church. He, he would help with the Christmas cantata. Anything that was going on, he and my grandma would help with. They were there. My grandpa periodically would take a Sunday off and go be in the woods. And I mean, I'm not talking like wake up like after church is done and go sit in the woods. I'm talking before the sun even thought about coming up that morning. That man was in the woods and not there to hunt. He was there to pray. And my family, they take that as, oh, Grandpa skipped out on church every now and then. He said that was like his church. I'm like, well, I don't care. Papa Dave was wrong, right? Like, like I, I think it was great that he went out and prayed. I think what's bad is that I've got some family members that won't step foot in a church now because they are the church and Grandpa didn't go, so they don't need to go. Well, guess what? I don't like that Papa did that either, Right? I didn't get to grow up with him and get to talk about Scripture with him. He died when I was young. But that would have been one of the conversations we had. Papa, you, like, you can miss here and there, but you need to tell so-and-so they need to get back in church. Because guess what? They ain't out in the woods. They ain't even doing what you're doing. They're using it as an excuse. <laughs> Come on. Keynote here. 
They look at their fathers. They see the sins. The fathers were called out. And what does it say about their fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. They recognized the sovereignty of God that the despair that they just went through, the captivity that they found themselves in was the hand of God. And they repented. Key note, they repented. Church, when we look at our sins, we don't just look at them and say, ah, that's terrible. We repent. We turn away. We don't continue down a habitual path of of sin and, and no repentance. No, why? Because we know that the Lord remembers and the Lord restores. We know that he's faithful to do that. To Christians who have seemed to backslidden, he's not going to not forgive that. If you ask for forgiveness, what does it say? Return to me, thus says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. How good and gracious is our God that even though we become stale, we know the goodness of God and we sit in our seats like the frozen chosen and we don't do anything with our life or for the glory of God, but how faithful God is to still be there like we are the prodigal son, that he's there for us in our repentance to forgive, return to the Lord, church, As we continue through the series, it's going to be the reoccurring theme, return to the Lord, return to the Lord, return to the Lord. Ben, you can return to me if you would. uh, I'm going to finish with one last song here in just a second. Return to the Lord. I I mentioned um, a few things uh, earlier just about how we become stale. Well, what does it mean to return to the Lord? Well, here, let's talk about this for a second. We talked about Matthew uh, and Matthew not concealing your sin, right? Or no, that was the, the earlier, the proverb. Not concealing your sin, but confessing it. So what does it look like for you, church, to return to the Lord this week? Do you, do you have like some sin that you have not confessed? And I'm not saying you got to get down on your knees and, and tell everybody in the church, like, I've been a horrible person. We know that we all have been horrible. But here's some practical things. Are we, are we having too many boozy binges? Are we going out and drinking and, and not practicing self-control, which is a godly thing, right? And guess what? Wine and, and alcohol is a, a gift. The, the Bible says it's a gift. It says you drink this. It says that Jesus partook in, in wine. But it says do not get drunk on this. So are we, are we letting that pass by because we don't think that it's actually that bad? No, it is. Return to the Lord. Repent. Are we letting um, our marriages fall and crumble because we as men are domineering or as we talked about last week of, of wives being submissive? And, and you can go back and listen to that message. I don't have time to get into all those details again. So like if that hurt you, then just listen to last week because I don't mean it in a hurtful way. Are we leading our wives well? Are we parenting well together? Are we being godly spouses? And uh, Not that bad. Are you confessing that? I preached that last week, left here, got in an argument with my wife and had to call Simon and say, hey, man, like, I, I was just a jerk. And I like, just preached this and I just feel terrible. We have to confess these things. Are you, are you watching porn, but it's in your home and concealed and it's just not that bad and God forgives? No, return to the Lord. 
confess that sin, depart from that sin, forsake that sin, and draw near to the Lord, your God who saves. You have a gambling problem or a debt problem that it's just like, it's just going to take care of itself. No, that's actually what the church is for. Not, I can't say that we pay it all off, but we can begin. Once you get it out in the open, you can really begin to find restoration. Repent, return to the Lord. Are you a habitual liar? And it's like, ah, I'm just never going to get caught and it's fine. Or I won't do it again. Repent and turn to the Lord. Knowing good and well, church, that the Lord remembers, but the Lord restores. The Lord is calling His people and all of creation to turn to Him. Let's stand and sing this morning. To those of you who are believers, you've repented of your sins and believed in Christ, forsake that sin that is creeping up and dividing you and that relationship you have with Christ and return to Him. And if you're not a believer, surrender your life to Christ. Remember your transgressions and repent and forever be changed. And as we start this series, let us remember this each and every day. We ought to remember our sins and repent, return to the Lord. For surely, church, the Lord remembers, but the Lord restores. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had in your word, and I pray that you would just continue working amongst us. God, that this week we would, we would just see your word and the value of your word, and God, we would have a great zeal for it and for you, our Savior, our Lord, our God. I pray that this wouldn't become stale. I pray that as we begin this time, and it just feels like a revival every time we deal with these prophets, God, that this would be something that keeps us on fire. God, that we would, we would hold one another accountable, love on one another, rejoice with one another, weep with those who weep. But God, we cannot just have these outward signs. Our heart must be changed. And we pray that you, O oh Lord, our God, would change our hearts. God, that your spirit, God, to me right now, would continue convicting me and sanctify me according to your word. God, that I would forsake my sin and return to you, my God. Lead us, Lord. We thank you for sending your son, Father, to die for us on the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.